With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Well, nothing like your co-host telling you that he needs you to make up for him just before you go live on air. Paul's had a big day. And actually, Paul, of all things, I was just thinking, I was a bit tired going into this recording before he said it. Five days of test cricket is tough work. It's not like first-class cricket, manners. It's not like when well, it is first-class cricket. It's not like Sheffield Shield cricket, that extra fifth day, mate. Um, yes, I'm a bit tired, but um, it, was, it was a good test match, and um, we've really well, England made this work. England made this work into the last session. No wonder you're tired. Yes, and we've really given the listeners a reason to stay on with that scintillating introduction. <laughs> what, what, a, what a show you must have in, we must have in store for everyone. Well, what a win for Australia. They go 2-0 up in the Ashes. Welcome to Cricket Daily, the Ashes edition. I'm Menes. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. We're a little bit weary, but we're excited because Australia exerting their dominance over the old enemy again, winning by 275 runs. But they put up a fight, the Poms. It looked like when Pope went early today that the game might be over by lunch and you and I recording this afternoon at a much um, earlier time. But... Um, Butler and uh, Wokes in particular dug in, Paul. They certainly did, and yet they didn't get there, which seems to be, I don't know how many test matches I've seen over the course of my life where it seems inevitable that there's going to be a draw. And yet it very, very, in, in, these, in these circumstances, yet very rarely uh, does it come off. Sometimes it's spectacular at the end, that one, the West Indies-Pakistan game from a few years ago when Gabriel tried to smash the second last ball of the, uh, the last ball of the second last over for no for no good reason, prompting the why did he do it? But even <laughs> yeah, even this game, there were periods where it looked um, like they were going to save it. But in the end, it was what, what like two hours almost or an hour and a half that Australia still had to spare. So yes, it's a long game, Test cricket. It's a yeah. long game, thirty two and a half hours these days. Yep. So Australia went into the last session just needing two wickets. So you're right. It was always in Australia's favour, but it was quite incredible. Joss Butler, who battled and made 26 off 207, uh, tread, uh, trod on his stumps off Jai Richardson to be out hit wicket. Um, and and then that brought Anderson and Broad together and they fell not long after. Yeah. Um, interesting. I read an article during the Cricket World Cup from a baseball fan um, who from in America who'd never really had much to do with cricket. Obviously, you're a great um, baseball fan and very knowledgeable about it. But he, he met, he, one of the things that surprised him was how the, uh, the bowling side celebrated with unbridled enthusiasm at the fall of a wicket. And he said if they did that in baseball, the benches would be cleared and there'd be a fight. Because I think it's an unwritten law that you shouldn't – your mm. success can only come at the expense of someone else's failure. So if you just struck a guy out and you celebrate too much, then you, it's kind of a little bit unseemly. And he was saying – 
yep, cricket, they, they go berserk five metres away from the guy that's just been dismissed and he just calmly walks off. I reckon this is a case where I don't blame at all the Australians for celebrating, but when but they just reacted with such delight when poor old uh, Butler trod on his stumps. Maybe if that was a baseball situation, the benches would have been cleared because it was it was an unlucky way to go after a 220-plus ball, ball vigil. Yeah, the whole thing in baseball is you're not supposed to show off. If you hit a home run, you're not supposed to uh, do any um, theatrics when you run around the bases. And if you do, they throw the next ball at your head when you come up the bat. <laughs> um, it's a bit like bowling a bouncer in cricket. Um, so, yeah, you look, Butler, he, he put up some stiff resistance. Wokes, 44 off 97. Uh, they they look like they, they might give England a chance. But as you say, um, in the end, Australia dominated. Mitchell Stark, two for 43 off 27 overs, bowled very well. But it was Jai Richardson, five for 42, his first ever five-wicket haul in test cricket. And a superb performance, Paul. He didn't take any wickets in the first innings, but he made up for it in the second innings and and showed his class. Yes, it seems strange, but I still I still expected a little bit more from him. Um, that's probably a bit churlish of me, but uh, I just thought he was um, going to be a little bit more lively than he was. And I don't know whether that's just me being um, having unrealistic expectations, but that spell that he bowled at the Gabba that resulted in two or three of the batters commenting to the coach that that was one of the fastest, most hostile spells we've ever experienced. Uh, you know, you can't complain. Bloke takes five wickets and wins the test match. So, um, But did, did, am I barking up the wrong tree there? No, I just think the pitch flattened out a bit more than we're realising on that last day. So it made the bowling a bit more bit more benign, hence England's tail wagging for so long. So I think that's more about it. I actually... Um, yeah, I thought Jai bowled excellently and just just good to see him get, uh, you know, five wickets in the Nashes when Hazelwood and Cummins are out, you two premier fast bowlers. You know, it, it was an excellent job. And Nisa bowled well, 13 overs, one for 28. Didn't get a bag of wickets, but he looked a, a very fine, accurate bowler. And if conditions were seeming around, he looks very dangerous. So, you know, when you, you know, when it's a bit like India last year losing their too far two big, biggest first fast bowlers early. Mm. Australia, you know, um, yeah, could, could could have let this one slip without their two big guns in there, but didn't. And what about from an England point of view? I've heard this mentioned facetiously, but I think there's something to it. If you were just picking purely on batting for your next test match, who, who would you rather coming out to bat for England if your life was on the line at number three, say, um, or whatever, anywhere in the top order, would you rather Pope, Hasiba Mead, or Rory Burns, or would you have more faith, faith in Chris Wokes? <laughs> uh, I'd still go the top order players, but it's it's that's a bad draw you're giving me. They're all pretty terrible. It's more Liam Livingston. I see. Did you see that tweet I sent you? You know, you've been banging on about Liam Livingston for um, weeks. Well, Kevin Peterson tweeted yesterday, like, "Where's Liam Livingston?" To eyes and I sent it to you. I, yeah, I got I ignored. That. I got ignored. No, well, part, part of the thing is I'm blocked by Kevin Peterson, so I can't see it. Um, ah, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. I'm blocked. So by you Kevin just saw Peterson. this. You just saw this blank. This, this um, notice come that you know it's um, content you're you're blocked from seeing. No wonder you I saw it on my civilian account. I saw it on my civilian account, um, which is <laughs> Kevin hasn't yet sought me out, but I don't know why he's. I'm actually honoured that he knows that I'm. A, he knows that I exist by the the, the act of um, have him having blocked me. The thing with Wokes, though, he also bowls a bit. You, people don't realise that, but he's a handy part-time bowler as well, Chris Wokes. 
Works, yeah, I think he can bowl okay in English conditions, definitely. <laughs> so, look, I did listen to the English um, press conference and I listened to most of the Australian one. That's why we're recording a bit late. So, Joe Root was pretty downcast and he gave a lot of excuses. He said England have bowled too short in this series. They haven't batted well. Uh, they picked the wrong team, but it's easy in hindsight. Or he was asked, did you pick the wrong team? He said it's easy in hindsight. So, um, you can put two and two together there. Um and he was sort of pushed by a couple of the English journos that, you know, um, Root's been giving these same excuses for the team for a long time now. And, and even you go back to the last Ashes tour, they made a lot of the same mistakes. And he was asked about that. And he, he did, i got to say, he didn't give many convincing answers. He was, um, yeah, he gave a pretty, he, he was, he looked a pretty beaten man. And, um, yeah, it was pretty poor. And then he was asked about, you know, the update on his testicles, as we're calling them now, because that's their appropriate name. And he said what happened was he went into the nets yesterday and he didn't wear a box because he was having some gentle throwdowns and one just bounced up and hit his nuts. And then, um, yeah, he said that he's feeling a bit better today. So that's good news. Um, it doesn't look like it's um, too serious. So uh, good news for the, the Root family. Indeed, the thing about the short, the bowling too short—that's bewildering. Because the only sort of logical explanation is that he is being ignored by the bowlers. That you know, it kind of reminds me of ex-prime ministers when they say, "Oh, this should happen." And you're like, "Well, you once had a chance to do something about it. Like, you could have done something about it, Joe Root. You're the you're the captain. Why is he going up to Anderson and Broad saying, please pitch it up'? And they're just going, nah. Um, yeah, that's." That's- well, that's what he was asked. He was asked by um, uh, one of the English journos, look, is, is this team even playing for you? Because you keep saying the same thing. And Root's lame answer was, well, the Ashes are on the line now, so, you know, that's as good a reason as any. And, um, well, not really. You're 2-0 down. I mean, the Ashes are, are on the line at the Gabba. It's no point starting a race um, when the, the other team's, you know, halfway around the towards the finish. But, I mean, he needs to um, exert his authority, surely, the fact that he's the best batter in the side by a billion miles, you know, you should get Silverwood and say, listen, I don't care who it is, Jimmy Anderson or whatever else, if you are going to not bowl the length that I want, we're not picking you. Um, mm. it's, you either do that and play or don't do that and you're you're going to be running in the drinks for the rest of the series. I, I just find that ridiculous. And it's just a weird thing that, that they, they're so terrified of getting driven when you don't – we're not asking you to bowl half volleys, just pitch it up a bit more. It's just, it's, it's like I was saying it to my parents, and I was, it'd be like his com- comments are almost as though a soccer team saying, Yeah, we we realized that we weren't trying to kick the ball into the goal. And yeah. that's, what, that's what we should have done. Of course, you aim at the three sticks in the ground. Absolutely. Um, Steve Smith um, also did a press conference. He was um, he he told everybody that he only found out he would be skipper for the match at about eleven a.m. on the morning of the test, and and he sort of got a series of missed calls from Pat Cummins and Justin Langer wow. um, trying to get hold of him. So he knew something was up. And Ben Horn, um, friend of this show, asked him, you know, how did you find being in the saddle again? And Smith said he enjoyed it, um, but basically that it's Patrick's team. He's he's used Patrick and Pat a couple of times, so it sort of wavers depending on how much respect he wants wants to show. Um, I've got to say, I, I wasn't convinced that Smith actually feels that. That I think Horn said, "Oh, you know, it's going to be hard to give the captaincy back," and I actually think Smith will find it difficult. He's a great yeah. guy, Smith. I'm not. It's not like it's going to be a, um, a you know. 
Macbeth situation or Julius Caesar Shakespearean situation with a knife in the back kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I still think he would have enjoyed uh, <laughs> being captain for the rest of the series. If Pat Cummins was a close contact in Melbourne, I don't think he'd be too upset. Yeah, and that's fair enough. I mean, you'd have to be – as long as you wanted the job, then you'd have to be mad to want to give it up. So mm. it would have been interesting if he went, yeah, look, um, I'm going to give it back grudgingly and re- yeah. regretfully, but there you go. I'm here fun. waiting. <laughs> Something happens yeah. to Pat. Just better watch his back, buddy. Watch your back, buddy. Uh, do you have a hey, stat of the day, Paul? Yes, I do. Um, it's a pretty simple one, but the stat is this. Uh, there are three numbers. See if you can work out what they are. 21, 4, 2. All right, now give them to me. What do they mean? This century, those are the win, Australia win, England win, and draws in test matches in Australia. Australia has won 21, England have won four, and there have been two draws. So it is a pretty sorry tale for England. And if you want, I didn't bother, but if I went back in time, I think the, 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 the three Ashes series before that, I think Australia won something like collectively 9-2. So... Yes, um, you know, should we still honour England with a five-test series, or should we have them, you know, just the just the two tests that under our obligations in the World Test Championship going forward? I like your scenario. So I wrote a column in the um, News Corp papers a couple of years ago suggesting that England don't deserve a five-test match series. And look, <laughs> you and I have been very gracious to our English tourists, and I've tried this ashes to and not to be so parochial not to be so biased but i have to say the fact that they've gone two nil down is bloody pathetic it's it's another shocker from the english team i expected more for them i expected some fight i didn't expect them to win but now that this is the reality that you've got three test matches now pete lawler floated the question they might not even stay if the COVID situation gets worse and they go three nil down at melbourne they might actually go home early so you're right paul it's a, they should be um stripped of some test matches they're bloody hopeless it's another shocker from them and you know i was really you know stuff them i know they've been in bubbles for a year and a half but they've also played a lot of test cricket and they've come here and played pathetically to go this badly so yep i agree with you two test series here when we go there if they want to host us for five that's fine but you know i'm happy to go and play two tests there and that'll give us more of a chance anyway (laughs) um you know Let's just see. We all remember that Boxing Day 2010. Uh, if it happens again, England's, you know, th- stranger things have happened, but it'd have to be pretty bloody strange for them to win this Series 3-2. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's gone. I mean, the best they could do is maybe 2-all if some miracle happens. I mean, that sort of was my pre-test series prediction, but just a, a bloody shambles, this lot, a bloody rabble. Uh, it's what, they, you know... It, Ever since I've been following cricket, England have only ever toured here once and look like a decent side. And I'm 45 years old. So, uh, yeah. Yes, but it's we a always say, disgrace. at this point, we always say that your, your failure to watch the 1986-87 Ashes is inexcusable. But it's perfect for this argument. So, perfect <laughs> for this argument. Um, all right, I've got my good day, bad day. Good day, good day. Um, all right. Uh, Malcolm Conn, because our friend Barrett Sunderason tweeted out that Joss Butler can score a century in 67 balls to destroy an opposition in one format and then survive for 183 balls and counting because he wasn't out yet, um, scoring 25 runs in another format 15 months later. Sorry. 
scoring 25 runs in another format 1.5 months later to try and save a test tells you why butlers are once in a generation talent. That was Barrett Sunder Racing. And our other good friend, Malcolm Conn, replied, yep, with a test batting average of 33. (laughs) (laughs) So Malcolm Conn gets my good day award for that reply. (laughs) And my bad day award award is uh, Michael Vaughan. So he was relegated to the Big Bash coverage tonight. As you um, may know, he's been... Um, not included in the BBC coverage of the Ashes. There was talk that BT Sport in England don't want him to be commentating on the Ashes. So uh, Michael Vaughan, you know, not commentating on the Ashes, but commentating on Perth v Hobart, which is, yeah, a bad day for Michael Vaughan. Um, is that because of logistical reasons and he's going to actually be on the Boxing Day test or is that the um, – I, I think he still will be in the Boxing Day test. Tell you what. I'd like a bad day that bad to be commentating. On the big <laughs> exactly. How much time would that be? <laughs> exactly. All righty. All right. Now let's just go through these um, questions. Okay. Um, Sang, do you want to read this one out? Sang at Singbal says, Men, as I saw your tweet about Smith taking over the white ball captaincy, I completely agree in ODIs. How about Mitch Marsh for T20 internationals? Not convinced Smith makes our best T20 side. Yeah, so after um, Smith's fine performance as captain and the fact that the world didn't swallow up the Australian cricket team when he led the team out there, I think, you know, as soon as possible he should take over the, the white ball captaincy from Aaron Finch. And I'm happy for Smith to actually slot in at the top of the order instead of Finch. I think that's his best spot in the T20 game and maybe the 50-over game so he could play in both formats. But certainly I'd love to see him take over the 50-over team. It's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about who's going to take over that team, given that Cummins was reluctant to, um, or at least he was reluctant to in his initial press conference. Maybe if, you know, if he keeps on having success at test level and someone says, would you like to be the captain of the white ball side? It would be a hard one to turn down. True. Okay. Matt Powell. Was Harris just really unlucky in this game out to two sensational catches while his teammates are having sitters dropped? And just before Paul answers this, I will say Australia have announced an unchanged 15-player squad for the rest of the Ashes. So um, he can only be replaced by really Kawaja. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Paul, you can't say Maxwell. or um, so. um, I think that he was a little bit unlucky in the first innings because the shot that he played, whenever you get out down the leg side like that, there is a, a feeling that's a little bit of bad luck. Um, the, the second inning, although it was a great catch, I don't think you could say that was lucky. It's more that the, the batters who were dropped by Butler, um, sorry, you couldn't say that was unlucky. It was the batters who dropped by were dropped by Butler that were lucky. Um, so, yes, I think that um, I, I, I can't see them giving him more than one more test if he fails in the third test. I think then that they'll act then. Agree. I think he's spot on. This is from the Gurge. Uh, assuming his back is okay and Hazelwood's fit, do they rotate out Stark for Melbourne or because he's bowling so well, do they keep him in? I actually have a feeling that if Hazelwood and Cummins are fit, that Stark may miss the next Test match. I think it's, um, you know, Joe Richardson's five-wicket haul might just give the selectors that little bit of fuel that they need to uh, give Stark a bit of a rest. Um, although 
I think Stark bowled really well in this test match. But if they sort of go with what happened against India last year with the, the quicks getting burnt out, maybe they'll just say to Starkey, put your feet up. But I reckon that could be a sticky situation because Stark was rested from a Boxing Day test match about eight years ago and I think he's still annoyed about it. Yeah, it's a good question. If he's injury-free, my instinct is they'll pick him, but it's a 50-50 call, I reckon, as to whether they will or not. Reese Kemp, Lyon failing to take a bag full of fifth-day wickets has happened his whole career. Not a popular opinion, but to challenge India next year, we need a new spinner. Thoughts? Very interesting point. Um, he has been disappointing over the years in India, uh, particularly in comparison to the Indian spinners in those same games. I think he's a... I think he's probably bowling just about as well as he ever has. He's, I think he's improved steadily throughout his career. Um, no, I, I would pick him for the India for the India tour, and but I, I do like the point. I, I think that um, it, I'd want to see something from him on these um, subcontinental tours for sure. Yeah, I mean, he had a pretty good tour of India last time. Um, he took a, a bag full of wickets. I think he almost took a record in one match. So. Um, I, Look, I like Lyon in the subcontinent. I think you'd be a fool not to play him over there because he's toured there so often. I think he probably knows how to bowl in India. But I think it's who you take with him. And I'd love to see him get adventurous and maybe a Tanvi Sanger mm. or a Mitchell Swepps. And someone like that um, will need to play with Lyon, someone that bowls the other way. And I guess the great thing about Cameron Green, as we discussed last night, that you know, he's a genuine third quick, so he can play two spinners, two quicks, and you've got green as your all-rounder. It, it, it actually is set up nicely uh, for the subcontinent. Or, or Mitch Marsh plays that role. because he, he got 20 in a big bash game, so he deserves a test call-up. Looking at Night Lions figures uh, in India, he's taken 34 wickets at an average of 30.6. So it's better than his career average. It's certainly not poor, but, I mean, I... I wonder what Ashwin's average is in India and, and no, I'd love, yeah. would I'd love to know the progression with Lyon. Because I think Lyon's got better at bowling in India. I think that last tour, he bowled better than the tour before, for example. Yes. And I think, was that the tour that he got, um, uh, he had the finger injury as well, that kind of, he was going mm. really well and then it, it just slowed it down a little bit because of that finger injury. So, yeah. um, well, I've got it here. So he, he, in terms of India, um, his first tour there, he took seven wickets at 42. His next tour, uh, sorry, no, that was in Australia. Um, his first tour to India, he took uh, 15 wickets at 37. His next tour to India, he took, um, yeah, he took his wickets at 25.26, not at 19 wickets. So that's his most recent tour. So definitely a big improvement on that tour, yes. On that basis, I'd take him. I was scintillating podcasting, that little bit of 30 seconds of me looking at figures, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, there's a lot worse shit on YouTube, trust me. Uh, Who's reading this one? You are, I think. Richard M. Do we think the Brits can take heart and a few batting lessons from this test? Do you think they might just about figure out Australian line length and bounce in time to draw <laughs> or win a test? <laughs> I mean, usually that's the way it goes, Richard. I mean, England are 2-0 down, and this is when they'll start to show a bit of punch and verve. But ultimately, it'll be futile and ultimately result in nothing, uh, as is one of the... Um, 
as one of the um, commentators said, they should just pick um, these youngsters now and hope it gives them experience for a tour here in four years because they've butchered this. And oh, I, it's, I'm pretty disappointed in Root. Yes, um, I think they need to just play with freedom, um, hit the top of our stump, and then come out and bat with some aggression. Martin Lawrence, oh, this is your go, sorry. Does Butler play in Melbourne? What a weird test match he had, catching screamers, dropping sitters, and then batting in a most atypical way in the second innings and doing very well, and then treading on his stumps to get out. Uh, strange Getting match. sledged by Malcolm Conn as well. Yes. Um, I'm sure he'll play in Melbourne. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is not a question, just a comment from Royal Dong. Men, as you look 25. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, that's it. There's a lot of great comments. Uh, thanks, everybody, that have um, watched the show live and left questions. Uh, well, yeah, like, Paul, everyone, uh, anything you want to add to the, the match? Um, Paul, Australia win by 275 runs. They go 2-0 up in the Ashes. Player of the match was Marnus Labashane. Um, Joe Richardson took his first five-wicket haul in Test cricket. It was a triumph for Australian cricket, winning in the final session of the fifth day. I guess I do want to ask you, what do you think about, you know, the big bash going up against the day-night test last night and tonight? Not a fan at all, but because of the weird times we live in, I'm prepared to let it go. But my interest in the big bash in the last couple of nights has just evaporated because I'm just I'm, – I'm all in on the test match. And I, I, I don't want to be that way because I like the big bash. I'd really like to be watching it, but – it, yeah, my um, my interest has plummeted. So um, not a fan, but I'll forgive them. But do you think they really thought, like, all things being equal, the test match will finish on the, the fourth day maybe, and uh, maybe the fifth at the latest, so it won't it'll, at the most affect one game? And in the, in the end, it was a nightmare scenario that England ended up starting their batting innings just about the time that the Big Bash started last night. And then the game ended, you know, in the middle of the big bash game tonight. So it's a, it's a disaster. Yes. I wonder if this is the lengthiest day night test in Adelaide ever. It probably is. Um, they do tend to be over in about three nights. Um, this pitch, I heard Lathan Lyon being interviewed midway through the match. And he said that he was kind of a little bit biased because it's kind of his home ground and he knows the curator so well. And he said it was great because it really engendered a contest between bat and ball which it did but i think it was a little bit slow it wasn't um this wasn't a great spectacle this test match there's lots of good attritional cricket and better than attritional cricket but um, I, I don't think the pitch can get rave reviews from me all righty well that's a good way to end dennett slams the adelaide oval curator one more thing sorry before i let you totally yeah. misrepresent what i said um th- just um i found <laughs> I it interesting i just found it interesting that um the um, Smith was asked by Gilkstaff the game why he didn't give Cameron Green a bowl earlier, and he said it was because of workload management that the um, backroom staff didn't want him to bowl today at all. Um, and so that I'm pleased to hear that explanation because otherwise I was thinking, oh come on, Smith, what are you doing? He deserved a bowl earlier. But I, I totally, 100% approve of that. And I hope Ian Chapel and others, if you're watching, as I know you are, and you go, oh these scientists and everything else, they're doing it for a reason. What we don't want is someone of his talent. He's in that danger zone. Was he 22? That's the time when your back goes. Um, so we have to manage him till he gets to that 25 mark and everything seems to be uh, solid. Uh, so well done to the Cricket Australian medical staff for being conservative and well done for Smith for ultimately ignoring them at the end, giving him a bowl. 
Well, I think when a test match is on the line, all that stuff goes out the window. So I think you've, you've, I think, yeah, I don't like it in a test match of bowler being put under too many restrictions, but I know Green's had a very difficult run with injuries. So, you know, yeah. if you look at what how we manage Pat Cummins and the result of that, how good that's been for Australian cricket, then you've got to sort of back them up when they do things like this with Cameron Green. It's like saying, Cameron, your health is very important to us but not that important. Like ultimately. Well, we the other willing... day, yes, actually going to nil up is more important. Yes. Like, we're willing to risk you breaking your back. Yeah, if it means if, we if England had batted through that first session and not lost the wicket and it got really desperate, then, you know, Green would have opened the bowling after lunch and, you know, if his back, you know, fell off, bad luck. <laughs> that's a, that's a much nicer <laughs> note to end the show on. <laughs> All righty, everybody. Thanks for listening to Cricket Daily. Paul and I are scheduled to record Cricket Unfiltered with Jaleesa later this week. Um, so hopefully um, we'll be in your earballs again then. Uh, if, we, if we aren't, have a happy holidays wherever you are and we'll be back on Cricket Daily for the Boxing Day Test. Bye. Bye. 25. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk. Maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.